Hello, it's uh, wonderful to be with you this morning. Uh, my name's Dan and, and I'm from Wales, uh, but I pastor over at Cornerstone Church in North Gore, uh, a sister church of, of Southgate. So it's uh, excellent you know, to be worshiping with you this morning. And uh, th- thank you uh, uh, for this opportunity to uh, share uh, what the Lord has placed on my heart. So when I was a kid, um, I had a really big head and I had a skinny body and it was one of the bodies that kind of looks like it's not really grown into its head yet. Now, of course, as you can see this morning, that situation has remedied itself somewhat. But at that time, I had an oversized head and uh, there was one day that we went horse riding as a family. And I was a bit nervous the first time horse riding uh, because I didn't know whether it would maybe take off or run away, you know, I was just uh, uncertain. I didn't trust that horse, Uh, but it actually turned out to be lots of fun. Well, mostly lots of fun. You see, um, even though I enjoyed the the, uh, experience of horse riding, uh, my abiding memory of that ride was that the helmet that they gave me was too small for my oversized plus-sized head. And so it was tight, it was ill-fitting, and, and, that, and that whole horse ride, even though I could enjoy you know, the view of the countryside around me, um, I felt like a pressure in my head that grew and grew and grew uh, until that ache in my head was really all that I was able to think about. Um, and so, uh, you know, inside I was shouting, you know, would you take it off? Would you take it off? Would you take it off? But, you know, I was a kid and I was nervous and, uh, I, I, and I was out on the right. So there was nothing I could do about it. And so I sucked it up and I kept that voice that was shouting out. I kept it down deep inside. But I learned something on that ride. I learned that when you're wearing or that when we're wearing something ill-fitting, that it can so consume our thoughts that it ends up being all that we can think about. And when it's all that we can think about, Uh, we miss on everything else that might be happening around us. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus actually talks about this very thing. Only he talks about a yoke instead of a helmet. Now, a a yoke is this frame that links two animals together um, so that they can pull machinery. But, but, But... But the principle is the same. Um, If you go for too long wearing something, whether it's a helmet or a yoke that is the wrong size and it fits you wrong, uh, then all that you can focus on is, you know, your your pain and the discomfort. But if you can exchange your ill-fitting yoke for one that fits you in all the right places, that fits right in all the right places, then you can know rest for your soul, as Jesus says. And, and then once that pain has been removed and the discomfort has been removed, you are then free to look around and to really, um, really enjoy what is happening around you. Enjoy your surroundings. Enjoy your life again. And that's where prayer comes in. You see, prayer is a way for us to exchange uh, this yoke that chafes and rubs and squeezes for something that is actually tailor-made just for you. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. Now as we uh, read Matthew 11, our central theme is that prayer is an exchange. So, So let's say it all together. Prayer is an exchange. One, two, three. 
Prayer is an exchange. One more time. Prayer is an exchange. It's a trade. It's a swap. It's an exchange. Now I know that many of us, uh, especially if you were raised in church, then you know the language of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It says, It says, come to me, and this is Jesus speaking, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we love this verse, right? It's really precious for many of us. But what if we could actually love it more? And one way to love this verse more is to understand it more. And we understand verses like this more by looking at the verses around it, looking at it in its, in its context, because when we, when we take a verse alone, when we isolate it, we can really make it mean whatever we want it to mean. But when we look at it in the context, in its context, in its larger context, there's more of a chance that we will understand what God's trying to say to us through it. And so this morning we will look um, rather briefly at the verses leading up to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, to help us squeeze even more joy out of this passage as we look at prayer as an exchange. So let's reverse three verses to uh, verse number 25 of Matthew 11 that says this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Now, verse, uh, verse 25 and verse 26 shows us that God the Father uh, hides and he reveals. He hides from some and he reveals to others. So who does he hide from? Well, here it's uh, really clear. It says that he hides these things from the wise and the learned. Now, verse, verse 25 takes place straight after this moment where Jesus tells off um, the inhabitants of these, of these two locations called Chorazin and Bethsaida. It's these, it's, these two, uh, uh, it's these two towns because what had happened in these towns is that they'd seen the miracles of God and they didn't change how they were living. They, they saw God's signs and wonders and they did not repent. You know, they saw God moving in their midst and they simply moved on with their day with their lives and they said, nice show, as they moved on. Now, these folks were the so-called wise and learned of verse 25. You know, they were happy to have Jesus' little magic show, uh, but, the, but, but they didn't want him as their Lord. They had life just about wrapped up. Thank you very much. I don't need Jesus. And we can be like that too, right? We like the show of Jesus, but not necessarily the tell of Jesus. We think we don't need any more instruction. Uh, we make God fit into, into our paradigm, our way of living, rather than us trying to fit into his way of living. And so we say to God, in effect, at that moment, we, we say, God, it's my way or it's the highway. Maybe we're so well-versed in, uh, in wisdom and in knowledge and in study and in facts, even facts about God, that God could literally do a miracle in our midst and we would explain it away. We've squeezed all the mystery out of life. This is the fate of the wise and the learned. And then Jesus comes along and says in verse 25 that, 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 
that the fact that when God hides himself from the wise and the learned and reveals truth to little children is actually praiseworthy. It's a good thing. It's, it's something that pleases God to hide from some and to reveal to others. It's worth shouting from the rooftops because what this means is that God's kingdom um, is really upside down. It's not how we think it will look. And it means that God's kingdom is for the childlike. It's for the ones that society ignores. It's the one who still believes in silly little things like miracles. You know, only children and the childlike are naive enough to really think that that if it's true that God exists, then it should change the way we live. Only the naive and the childlike think that, because the rest of us, we know better. So God hides and he reveals. God hides and he reveals. Now, what about you? Is God at this moment in time, is he hiding himself from you? Or is he revealing himself to you? You know, the state of your heart is the thing that tells uh, whether you are someone to whom God reveals himself or hides himself. Are you humble? Are you hungry? Are you insufficient? Are you childlike? If so, then let's read on. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. I I like these uh, mind maps or these... um, these uh, flowcharts to help map out my thoughts. In fact, when I I sermon prep, I regularly use them. And so I can see the logic uh, using using words and boxes and arrows. And so for this verse, I would like to actually draw out for you. Okay, so we have, uh, yeah, the Father, and we have the Son, okay? So here's the Father, he is Father God, and he is God the Son, he is Jesus. And it says, and it says, and so the Father, it says here that the Father, he commits all things to the Son, right? And, uh, and then it says, no one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows Oh, sorry, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Okay, so that's clear. But that's not where it ends, because if you read, it says, and those, so here we have the word those, you know, this might represent you or me, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So, so, So what we see in this messy diagram is that the Father has given the Son the right really to do whatever he wants. All things are entrusted to him. And, and he has this really tight relationship with the father in which only the father knows the son and only the son knows, knows the father. They are, they are sat around the meal table and they're, and they're having an amazing time of fellowship with each other. They know each other absolutely and they love each other's jokes and they share everything. They are, they are absolutely on each other's wavelength. You know, they can even finish each other's sentences. Why? Because they are a trinity. They're the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. They are absolutely complete. They need no one else, least of all you, least of all me. And then the Son looks over and he sees 
you know, the door into the room where they are. Maybe it's open a crack. And he sees you there standing nervous like a child, wanting to be part of what the grown-ups are doing, but not feeling that you have the right. After all, you're just a child. You're not wise and learned. You're a kid. And then Jesus looks over at you and he sees your heart. And, and then he turns to the father and he says, hey, dad, is it okay if I ask her in? Is it okay if I ask him in? Are they able to sit at our table with us? And then God the Father looks at you in the doorway, both frightened and excited at the same time. You know, kind of leaning back, maybe hanging back a bit, but also wanting to be part of what's going on in that room. And he says to Jesus, the Father says to Jesus, you know what, Jesus, I've actually committed everything to you. You can choose to reveal me to them, to him or her. It's, it's, it's your choice. You, you know their heart. It's up to you, son. It's your call, which is incredible. And then we go on to verse number 28, which only works if we read it as a continuation of what we've just read. So Matthew 11, verse, verse 28 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so the context of this verse is that Jesus, having been, been given all authority by the Father, knowing, knowing the Father and um, hiding the, you know, the things of God from the wise and the learned, but revealing them to little children, this Jesus sees you standing there like a child in the doorway, and he invites you into the fellowship of the Father and the Son. Now, I just want to stop at this moment and marinate in the mystery of that wonderful picture that Jesus, on behalf of the Father, reflecting the Father's heart, somehow says to us, you can come. You're welcome. There is there's space at the table. We've saved you a seat. Come. And so, friends, if this isn't an incredible, mind-boggling view of prayer, then I don't know what is. That Jesus comes to you and says to you and to me, come, come into the mystery of the Trinity. He says, come and know fellowship with the Father through me. John 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, from seeing Jesus, you, you do know him and have seen him. So, but what is the grounds for you, for you to come into the presence of the Father at the request of the Son? Well, first, you have to be like a little child. There's no other way. You know, God reveals himself to the childlike and the little children, right? Um, but, but then we also read in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, um, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so we see it there, and we also see it in Matthew uh, 11, verse 25, right, where he says, I, I, I praise you, Father, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. So, uh, uh, and so the first requirement for you to come into God's presence is that you are like a little child. 
And so God reveals himself, like I said, to the little children, and he hides himself from the wise and the learned. So humility is the first qualification. You, you aren't able to stand at the door that leads into the Godhead, as it were, and say, let me in. Don't you know who I am? Because if you do that, then, then, then Jesus will turn to you, and he will say, actually, I do know who you are. You are Chorazin. You are Bethsaida. You you clearly don't need me, and you're not welcome, so you can carry on your way. So first, you, you need to be like a little child, first qualification. What else? Is there anything else that we need to enter into the presence of, you know, of the Father? Yes, there are, and these are so vital. We aren't able to mess around with these. These are non-negotiables. It says in uh, verse 28 of Matthew 28, of Matthew 11, it says, come to me, all you who are what? Weary and what? You who are burdened and I will give you rest. Friends, this is where the exchange takes place. These are the requirements is that we come to him with our weariness and our burdens. And in the presence of Jesus who shares with us and brings to us this, this wonderful presence of the Father, we find rest. He says, I will give you rest. He says, on behalf of the Father, I grant you rest. I will take your weariness and I will give you rest. I will take your burdens and I will give you rest. And this is the gospel message played out, right? That, that, that we walk up to the doorway of the presence of God and we, and we have every expectation that we will be turned away because God is God and he is holy and he's righteous and he's perfect and he's without sin. And we read in the Bible verses like Psalm 5 verse 4, for you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. And then we read in Romans 1 verse 18, uh, the wrath of God is, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their own wickedness. And so we read this and we think, well, he would never want me because that's who I am. But here's the amazing thing, is that the Father and the Son working in concert have created a way in, and it's through Jesus. It's called, it's called grace. And as we have a relationship with Jesus, as we come to the Father through the Son, we are welcomed into the Father's presence through faith, without reservation. And so, you know, we walk in and, and he, he gives us a friendly slap on the back and he welcomes us and he, and he sits us down. And we're like, but, but Lord, I'm just a child. I'm not wise. I'm not learned. And God says, yeah, yeah, I know, right? Our wisdom isn't the gate into God's presence. Jesus is the gate. Our learning isn't the way into God's presence. Jesus is the way. And so uh, as we trust in Jesus, Philippians 3 verse 9 tells us that uh, we will be found in him, not having a righteousness of, of our own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And so we come to Jesus with our burdens and our weariness and our childishness, our childlikeness and our efforts to succeed and we stop and we quit and we lay aside our so-called wisdom and our so-called learning. And like children on the basis of faith, we come to Jesus and we say, I can't carry this weight or this burden anymore. 
I'm not able to keep on going. It's no use. I'm never going to be good enough to come into your presence and to sit at your table. And when Jesus hears this, his eyes shine because, friends, this is the secret password into God's presence. When you say, I can't, and you start to hang back in the shadows where it's safe, Jesus says, I know you can't, but I can. And Jesus takes our burdens and, uh, our, and our burden of trying to do things by ourselves and he gives us rest and, and it's, 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 it's a deep rest. It's rest for our souls. It's, it's rest, for, uh, rest from our deepest needs. Uh, it's rest for the shadowy recesses of our lives. This is the exchange of prayer. And all we have to say is, I can't, but maybe Jesus, you can now, when I was riding on that horse, uh, I wish that someone would have taken that ill-fitting helmet off me and replaced it with one that was made for my head size. And Jesus says to us, take my yoke upon me, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. When we come into the presence of the Father through Jesus the Son, we drop our burdens and we drop our weariness, um, but we aren't going in, we, we don't uh, leave empty-handed because Jesus instead says take my yoke upon you and learn from me right so wh what that means for us is that true freedom is not having empty hands true freedom is not the freedom to do whatever the heck we want with our lives true freedom is freedom to live life in the way that God meant us to live it with his yoke and and you know uh, and this yoke is um you know like I explained at the beginning, it was uh, when, when, an, when an ox was um, needing to plow a field, you know, this kind of wooden thing frame would be laid over the shoulder of the ox and, uh, and, and, then this, and then this wooden frame would be linked to this hoe or whatever machinery in the back, you know, used to uh, maybe plow a furrow. But, an, but a young ox is a child they are not strong and they're not trained. And so if you use a young ox, then you end up with a wonky line to plant seeds and the ox gets tired quickly. And so what they would do is that they would link this young ox to an old, seasoned, mature, strong ox. And then the child ox would learn from the old ox and the old ox would take most of the weight, most of the strain. 1 John 5 verse 3 says this, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, like that yoke, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has, come, that has overcome the world, even our faith. This is the yoke. It's the commands of God. And this is the beauty of our relationship with God, is that through prayer, we get rid of the burden of having to do life alone. We get to lay down this weight of soul responsibility, of, of, of being the one that calls the shots. And instead, we get to walk alongside Jesus and do life with him. And, we can, and, and, and in that moment that we're yoked to Jesus, we're free to do life like a child, like a young ox. We're a kid again. It's, it's like when you go out for a meal with your loved one and, and it, it's, it's really been a long day and you're wiped out and you're tired and you're exhausted and you're so tired that you can't even think. 
And then you look at the menu and your focus goes, you know, you, know, you, you, aren't, you aren't able to focus on the words because you're so exhausted. And then you say to your loved one, would you choose for me? And you can do that because you know that they know you and, and they know that, and you know that they wouldn't choose something which is bad for you. And you know that you, that you will appreciate and enjoy whatever they choose for you. And in handing over that responsibility, you find rest, freedom. And so that rest that Jesus in, invites us all into is this, uh, is this freedom of exchange, is this rest of exchange. And so in prayer, we, we come to him and we bring our burdens and our weariness and we bring our childlikeness and, we, and we're there at the doorway and we're hovering and we're nervous and we're waiting and we see the Father and the Son and, and uh, it's our very burdens. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, and so he sees us, uh, but it's our very burdens that, that, that is our entrance into God's presence. It's the fact that we aren't learned like the wise. It's the fact that we are honest about our shortcomings. It's the very fact that we know that we're not the father or the mother or the brother or the sister or the friend or the colleague or the worker or the son or the daughter that we're supposed to be. It's the fact that we know we fall short. It's the fact that we feel like a failure. It's the very fact that we're that we're still shell-shocked from the past 18 months that we've all had to go through. It's the fact that, 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 if we're honest, most of the time we feel like we're little children who can do nothing, that we feel powerless. It's the fact that we bring um, nothing except our failures and our weaknesses and our burdens and our weariness. It's, it's, it's that thing that, that causes Jesus to look at the Father with a wink and a question in his eyes. And it's the fact that we bring nothing that causes the Father to look at the Son with a smile. And as he says, it's your call, Jesus. And it's the fact that we bring nothing that causes Jesus to say to you and to me, there's room at the table. Leave your burdens at the door and sit down here and spend some time with us. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so as we end this morning, I want us to close our eyes. Um, and I'd like us to breathe in and out three times. So let's all breathe in. And breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. One more time. Breathe in, breathe out. And with your eyes closed, I want you to have this image in your mind that you're a child and you've heard the sound of laughter and conversation coming from the dining room. And so you, you walk up to the door and you creep up and you look in and you see God the Father and God the Son sharing stories and sharing life with each other. And you see the light and the food and the friendship and you want in. But you look at yourself and you're not learned and you're not wise. And you'll only make a fool of yourself. And then you look down at your hands and you realize that you're carrying so much stuff. So many worries and you feel the weight on your back of your burdens and your concerns and your stresses and your anxieties and your sins and your failures. And you think, they won't want me there. 
If I'm there, I'll just spoil it. And so you look at your hands, worn with weariness, and you feel the weight of these ill-fitting burdens on your back, the rub and the chafing and the rawness, and you start to edge away from the door, back into the shadows where it's safe, but then you hear this, hey, and you look up and you realize, flip, that Jesus is looking at you, and he says, I see you standing there. Why don't you actually come in? And then you look at all the stuff that you're carrying and you realize that you're never going to be able to carry it through the door. And Jesus says, just leave it outside because I can see that you're weary and you're burdened. And so come to me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then he gets up and he pulls out a chair. This is the exchange that Jesus is offering. And so as you consider this scene, and as we just spend a few seconds in silence, I have one question for you with that offer on the table. How do you respond? What do you do? Lord, I thank you that, that this offer is there for each of us. And Lord, I pray that we would realize that those very things we think keep us from you are the very things that are our entrance in, that we know that we're not good enough and we know that we're not wise enough and learned enough. And uh, we know that we have our burdens and our weariness, and it's those very things that are the very requirements for entering into the presence of you. So show us how to take that step in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.